0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/slash/fifteen to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Bonnie Plants, Bonnieplants.com. Hey, and welcome to The Food Scene on org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with three wonderful bottles of Lillet. In <laughs> front of me, the Blanc, the Rouge, the Rosé, and the wonderful Claire Needham, Brennan Baster.
2: Thank you so much and for the, having us. the
1: only one in the U.S. So you are... Truly, Miss Lillet.
2: I am. I am. I am the only ambassador in the United States. We do have um, a couple others on the European side, but I'm the only one here on that, the state side. That yeah. is
1: a lot of booze for one woman. That is yeah. a lot of control. <laughs> what is that Simpsons quote? First you get the booze, then you get notes. First you get the sugar, then you get the women, then you get the power. And that had nothing to do with Lillet. Because <laughs> I was referencing No, but it is ultra. how I live yeah. my life, so yeah. I feel
2: like it's okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so... To be a brand ambassador, I've always wondered this because you see people come into bars sometime with their bottles, trying to integrate it into a, a cocktail or some mm-hmm. kind of service. But Lillet has such an, uh, a part in cocktail culture in the U.S. now, but started way back in the late 1800s in France.
2: Yeah. So the popularity of Lillet, it started in the 1800s. It started in um, the... the Lillet Brothers started in 1872, um, and at the time, aperitifs were very, very popular in all of France, so they didn't bring it over to the U.S. Um, until more like the 30s is when they really started advertising and brought it back over uh, stateside. Um, but it's it it is definitely in a lot of classic cocktails, classic cocktail culture, uh, but we lost that train in the United States for a while in the uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s and really only bringing it back in about the last 15 years. So my job in a lot of ways is to remind people of The uses of Lillet, of why Lillet was so popular way back when, um, reminding people to use it, to enjoy it, how it should be enjoyed, and introducing things like our newer varietal um, of our Lillet Rosé, which didn't actually come out until 2012.
1: So this isn't something like in your parents' liquor cabinet you'd find back when you were growing up then take a little out, fill it up with water, put it back, and hope that there wasn't a line on there counting it. Um, This is really (laughs) new to our generation and kind of was removed from our culture up until, you said,
2: Yeah. Like the last fifteen, you know, fifteen years really, and 15, 20 years, um, kind of with the kickoff of the cocktail scene, and and Dale DeGroff, and bringing back classic cocktails with milk and honey in two thousand, and um, but no, with Lelai, it's, it's a funny thing, and I love, love, love the liquid and love working for the brand um, because of its wonderful iconic history and also because of just how delicious and fresh it is as a beverage on its own. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone. A lot of people come to me and say, like, oh, Lele, yeah, my my mom used to drink that. Or, like, it was in the back of my refrigerator for 15 years, but I don't really know what to do with it. Um, and so my job is to remind them why it was kind of purchased in the first place and to show them the wonderful things that you can do with it because it's just so versatile.
1: So you started your um, liquor and beverage career in, in New mm-hmm, York, uh, mm-hmm. worked at the Beagle, at... at- the wonderful Booker and Dax, mm-hmm. you know Dave Arnold has a show here on this station. Yeah. Uh, Maison Premier, San Fuegos, mm-hmm. uh, Basick in, in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Um, did you find bottles of Lillet behind the bar, or how did you start incorporating that into your repertoire? Well,
2: actually, the first Lillet cocktail I remember. I ever had when I was, you know, I probably shouldn't have been trying a cocktail. I probably wasn't <laughs> of age yet. But I was, um, I started my kind of immersion into the food and beverage industry. I was working at a bar called Enoteca Likuri, which no longer exists.
1: Wait, can we have a um, moment of silence for Enoteca? <laughs> you don't even understand how that both the sandwich place and the Lower East Side spot were... Some of my favorite places to visit in New I York. Think
2: I think I gained my college freshman 15 on cheese from, you know, Licuri, <laughs> so I totally understand. Um, but no, I was working um, as a waitress there, just kind of got the job off of Craigslist, and the bar program was being run by um, the wonderful Matt Pianciantini, who now owns the Up and Up um, in the West Village, but he also owns Clyde Common, um, which is a very popular bar um, out in the Ace Hotel with Jeffy Morgenthaler in Portland. Um, and... Matt was just, you know, a very unassuming guy, and we didn't really realize his sort of credibility in the cocktail world. And he started showing me, he showed me how to jigger. He showed me sort of the basics and started showing, you know, introducing me to spirits. He gave me books and was like, here, if you want to bartend, you have to know what you're working with. Um, But he had a great cocktail with Lelay, which is one of the first things I ever tried, which is actually different than most Lelay cocktails. It's called the Golden Dog, and it's done... Um, it's a shaken, all-spirit cocktail with uh, talisker scotch, so it's very smoky and bright. Um, but that was my first sort of introduction to Lillet, And then um, I remember from there I would kind of just become very interested in the product itself and the different variants and um, trying different aperitifs like the Lay, things like Dubonnet and really getting involved with that um, and then from there when uh, Matt actually was the one who had to open the Beagle years later I'd worked at a few other bars before then um, but he, I came. He invited me to come and join that team, and I worked at the Beagle, and we had plenty of Lillet cocktails <laughs> on that list. Um, and I love to work with it. It's a great product. It's very versatile, and we have all three varietals. And then from there, um, yeah, I came to uh, Open Booker and Dax with Dave, uh, learned a heck of a lot about a very different side of cocktail making. Um yeah, and kind of been around the block a little bit for that and then came to work for the brand. So
1: Yeah, you know, it's crazy seeing people's, you know, liquor collections at bars now. It, mm-hmm. it, it's expansive um, and everything has its place. But, you know, Little A is not just a wine. It's not just a liqueur. It's, you know, one of these tonic wines, as you mm-hmm. said back in the day. and. It has such versatility because it is that blend. Let, let's talk about what it's actually made of in that process.
2: Sure, absolutely. So it's the same recipe they've been using since the 1870s, um, as far as the secret ingredients go. So it is um, one of the main prides that we have in Lelé is that it's from Bordeaux. So it's a wine based So if a, it's 85% wine, and if you're using it, making a product with 85% wine, you want to use the best wine in the world. And we happen to be located in Poulignac in Bordeaux. How so we have, I know. So we have. <laughs> Conveniently located to all these beautiful Sauternes wines, so uh, Lillet itself, the Lillet Blanc, the classic, um, is made of Semillon, Sauv- uh, Semillon, Sauvignon Blanc, and Muscadelle. So it's a white wine blend, same as a Sauterne, um, with a very secret. Uh, we have a secret recipe which has been the same since the 1870s of a uh, blended f- uh, fruit and citrus liqueur, made up of orange peels from Haiti and Spain, and some other fruits in there, which I. Um, a can't divulge and B don't know all of because only our master distiller knows. <laughs> um, and then there's the addition of quinine, so we use Peruv- uh, Peruvian chinchona bark and add that as well. And then age it for six months. So it's not a wine, it's not a liqueur, it's not a tonic. It's a blending of all these three really beautiful ingredients, and using the best of the best of those ingredients, and then bla- uh, blending them together and aging them in French oak to give them a really nice depth and quality and softness.
1: I mean, they're fine, they're racked, they're filtered. It, it truly is like, you know, a fine wine in, in, in how it's cared for. Mm-hmm. And when, when you say best, it's so true because for years I thought I hated tonic water
2: mm-hmm.
1: because I hated quinine. Right. And then I tasted real quinine. Right. And that's delicious. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, not, not straight. Not in yeah.
2: did. I did taste it when I was at the Pot and Stuck Distillery. I did taste quinine in its straight form, which I had never tried yeah. before. And no, it is not delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there is a reason people put these beautiful concoctions together to cover the flavor of quinine, which they were trying to administer to uh, cure malaria.
1: I mean, let's yeah. talk about that the medicinal <laughs> purposes, because I think part of Lillet's popularity was also because of Louis Pasteur saying mm-hmm. that wine was this healthy and high hygienic thing Mm -hmm. you know and that that was at the same time these aperitifs were really showing up in France
2: well aperitifs were crazy in the 1800s they were everywhere they were commissioned by the government um, with kind of the initial aperitif recipe being done by Joseph Dubonnet Um, and it was to they were commissioned by the government because the French legion soldiers were coming back from Africa with malaria and they needed some way to administer this very 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 bitter tonic In an enjoyable fashion, and actually, Joseph Dubonnet's wife started, um, along with him, was making these concoctions, and she was kind of a socialite and started throwing these wine-based aperitif parties, um, and really start. She was the one that kind of pushed it forward as an enjoyment uh, beverage, as opposed to just a medicinal beverage, um, and really moving forward with that. Um, This was obviously prior to sort of the cocktail usage of them, but they were everywhere, and there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of aperitifs in the 1800s and 1900s in France. Um, But Lelay is really the only one that is, A, aged, and, B, has stood the test of time in its original form and kind of still remains running around today. I mean, yeah,
1: it's so ingrained in in the culture and Mm -hmm. lifestyle, but also the design of... When you go to Paris, you you see these ads, Mm -hmm. um, you know, of these characters riding bikes or clowns in these pastel colors and it's, it's mm-hmm. very you know like south of france almost mm-hmm. and somewhat bordeaux but it, i really feel like it's based off of those original lille you know advertisements that you used to see
2: right well the very famous Lille advertisements were the uh, roby posters which were done in the 1930s which was kind of their first really big campaign um and that's when you see the lady of the vine the, where the very famous um image of a kind of half-naked woman um, covered in vines holding a bottle of Lelé and laughing. Um, and they're very iconic and they are um, definitely very iconic images and are integrated into French culture. Um, but it is funny because you think of like people riding around with Lelay in their baskets and it seems like this wonderfully kind of picturesque but perhaps slightly more removed thing until you go to Bordeaux and you go to the south of France and everyone is riding around with baskets with <laughs> Lelay and just kind of smiling and waving. It's very funny and it's very wonderful and yeah. kind of a charming way of life whereas yeah.
1: the little a came what on the bqe bqe this time or on the l train
2: um yeah l yes. train l train to an uber yeah. yes that was
1: <laughs> how 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 has advanced in the world mm-hmm. and, and changed yes. over time um <laughs> let's talk about these three varieties and we'll crack it open and then yeah. go to break because uh we're gonna we're gonna take a couple shots during break sure. so you don't have to hear us slurping away right. but the the blanc uh Came first?
2: Blanc well, came first um, in the 1800s. Um, the Lille brothers kind of started, that was their first one. They actually were um, very famous. They were wine merchants, but they had their own uh, company that made marmalades and liqueurs. Um, and so they started blending when everyone was in this aperitif craze, brought in the Bordeaux wine that they were already selling the liqueurs, started to blend them together to kind of create their own concoction and found one that they really, really loved. And that is the Lille Blanc, which is a white wine base. Um, and then we have the, the Lille Rouge which came out in the 1960s.
1: More for an American market. More
2: for the American market. Um, that was the grandson of the Lillet brothers, um, who's actually still alive today and the sweetest man in the world. Um, he's in his 90s and still hangs out at the Lillet distillery, kicking it in his three-piece suit. He's fantastic. Um, but he came out with the Lillet Rouge. Um, more for the American market, and that's actually a red wine base. So it's Merlot and Cabernet. Um, same liqueur blend, same quinine. Everything's the same except for the wine variants. Um, and then in 2012, um, our current master distiller uh, came out with the Lille Rosé, which is actually done in the uh, the Rosé Champagne style. So it is still a white wine base like the Lille Blanc, but they do like they do with Rosé Champagne, they actually add a little bit of the Rouge to it. And then the liqueur is different. The liqueur has more of a berry component, which gives it sort of that, like, really brightness that gives it almost like a grapefruity flavor because you're getting the nice acid from all of those berries. Um, But they're all aged for six months across the board in French oak, so it's the same aging process.
1: Well, we're going to open up those bottles Mm -hmm. and go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about National Aperitif Day coming on up May 21st. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back.
0: Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app, the sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store
1: and welcome back to the food scene on dot org. Yep, it's a little late time. <laughs> I know we're jumping the gun because it's a like a week and a half early uh, for National Aperitif Day happening mm-hmm. Thursday, May 21st. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that campaign a little bit.
2: Um so it's National Aperitif Day. I definitely have already started celebrating. It's Aperitif month. It's oh, Aperitif yeah. weather. If, if you
1: listen to last week's show, I actually <laughs> opened a bottle then, too. Yeah,
2: there you go. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we started about four years ago to sort of bring the idea of, I guess I should kind of say what an aperitif is to those who don't know. Yeah. But an aperitif is, um, Lilay is what we call sort of the quintessential French aperitif. But aperitif is just any, it's meant, you know, it's sort of definition, I guess, is a low-proof drier beverage that's meant to... It's formulated to stimulate the appetite. So it's meant to kind of open up the palate in the way that you would have a digestive after dinner to settle the stomach. It's the opposite. It's sort of meant to excite your palate and your stomach for the meal to come. Um, And there's a culture around it as well. It's about the moment and the time taken um, after the business day or um, in mid-afternoon with friends and family and maybe perhaps some little snacks. And it's sort of a more elegant... um, styling of what we kind of in the US know it's a little bit faster paced like happy hour mm-hmm. but it's it's more about taking that time um, to really get ready for the evening to come um, and I love that I think it's an awesome concept and ritual and not something that we are particularly accustomed to in the United States uh, but with Lelay we wanted to sort of remind people about that and really bring it home. So we started, sort of, our as tequila is to Cinco de Mayo, we sort of started our cell own celebration of National Aperitif Day about four years ago. It's still quite new, um, but doing. Um, activations and sampling and buying cocktails and and supporting bar programs that do aperitifs um, and encouraging bar programs that don't necessarily to do aperitifs on this day and really bringing that home and reminding people of it. Whether it be um, aperitifs are also, you know, considered an absinthe or a champagne or really reminding people of the beverage itself, but we with Lelay want to kind of celebrate what we do and our beverage to offer as well.
1: Yeah, and it was really in contemplating what the right drink for this show would be. Mm-hmm. You know the food scene is Tuesday, three mm-hmm. PM. And and something I mean, I think there was scotch on the show right before us and there's beer mm-hmm. after. Two things that are fantastic drinks, but just never fit that that time and place yeah. for me and especially my attitude. I'm kind yeah. of like an even feel, <laughs> you know uh mm-hmm. A's always done that. You know, yeah. Lille 's always kind of been that wonderful interlude.
2: Yeah. It's perfect for that. And you know what? It makes my job fantastic because my job is to enjoy this um, at all hours of the day. But um, Lillet, yeah, it's in a lot of, as we said before, a lot of classic cocktails, but things like a Corpse Reviver and a Vesper, which are a little bit boozier, a little bit stronger, more for kind of the the evening hours, perhaps after dinner. But um, in its state, we just, uh, Lillet is consumed primarily in france um just on ice we call we we say on ice with a slice so on ice with either a slice of orange or grapefruit i actually love it with a slice of lime and just give it a little bit of brightness and freshness um but it's very simple or you can do it with as we'll make in a little bit um just very light cocktails with a little bit of fruit um or blending other aperitifs together or a little bit of champagne Uh, it's a great afternoon sipper for sure
1: and tell me again what james bond ordered
2: that was the Vesper martini. That was the Vesper shaken not stirred. So uh, with a bit of Kina lile. And Kina Lillet, uh, we actually just dedicated the la- one of the last Kina Lile bottles to the Museum of the American Cocktail in New Orleans um, a couple weeks ago. But Kina lile is an old labeling of the lile we have now when they felt like the quinquina element, the Chinchona bark, the quinine, was still necessary and relevant. So it's the old name of that. But they kind of realized when nobody needed Malaria curing anymore? That perhaps it wasn't as necessary to keep the Keena name. Well, you don't know where yeah. everyone travels.
1: You know, <laughs> sure, it's a great international sure. beverage for that. So,
2: but at the time, they say, and then also to differentiate it from the uh, at the, the recently released in the seventies when they changed at Lille Rouge, they changed the name to Lille Blanc.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. it, it was in it was in Casino Royale mm-hmm. and the book. You know, Ian Fleming's book came out in mm-hmm. I think the fifties, and mm-hmm. it was only on the big screen in two thousand six. Did you mm-hmm. guys see a big push? Again, when that was released.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, it's, it's always kind of a very exciting thing. It is a very, uh, I guess you could say, sultry side to the Lille story of having this kind of Vesper martini named after his very famous lover. And it's kind of an exciting thing for us, which gives another side to what we do.
1: And what is in the Vesper? It's one of those cocktails that I order and I love and I drink so quickly I always mm-hmm. forget to ask what's mm-hmm. in it.
2: Well, a Vesper is uh, made with gin. So usually a London dry gin, so something like a Plymouth or a Beefeater. Um, London dry. It's also really beautiful, though, I will say, with Hendrix. You get that kind of nice, bright cucumber notes in the rosewater. Um, but it's uh, Lillet so Lille Blanc with um, vodka and gin. Um, and then oftentimes, depending on the bar, people will add orange. I was always taught to make it with some orange bitters. Um, you can either use an orange twist or a lemon twist. It's kind of one of those things like a martini. It's sort of how you like it. Um, James Bond, of course, ordered it shaken, not stirred. Though traditionally, we would make something that was all spirits in a stirred fashion. Um, but a shaken Vesper is quite nice. You get a little bit of effervescence going on in there. So,
1: and I've always wondered: is there a Corpse Reviver Number One?
2: There is a Corpse Reviver Number One. It's not very good. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have. Well, first of all, it does not have Lillet. Yeah. But also, it's just sort of a. It's not as famous because it's just not great. And it has. It's really nothing like the Corpse Reviver Number Two at all. It's. I can't even really remember the recipe right now. Um, but it's that, very different, and it's a stirred cocktail, I believe. And it's, I,
1: mean, I know yeah. I've had um, a Lillet, what is it called, Aviva, the strawberry, the mint, uh, uh toni- Yeah,
2: the... the, uh, the- The What do we call it? The Viv. Yeah, Viv. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lille, Which is actually a very popular um, drink in... It's kind of our signature drink in Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a big push there for that particular cocktail there. And it's just Lille Blanc with a bit of soda and mint and strawberry. It's very, very simple and clean. Um, But it's, uh, it's not something we push as much in the American market. I feel like in the American market, people are... If they're looking for a cocktail, oftentimes we kind of push things that have a little... A little bit more of a flair. We also have an access to spirits that they don't necessarily have in that market. Um, But yeah, it's not something that we've done as much in our campaign. I've definitely drank my share of yeah. them, but it's yeah. not as, as much as we pushed in the United States.
1: And then this La Coquette, this cocktail that we're going to make mm-hmm. today, tell me about it because I see the strawberries and I've already finished my L'Eau Rouge, <laughs> so we got to hurry up and pour me another glass.
2: Um, so this is the La Coquette, actually. So it's a very simple, but it's just done with a tiny bit of simple syrup. Um, simple syrup, a little bit of Aperol just to like bring out that grapefruity note in the Lillet Rosé so it's a tiny bit of Aperol, a half part of Aperol, a quarter part of simple syrup, um, and two parts of Lillet Rosé, and then we're doing it with one strawberry, and then um, four to five depending on how uh, sour you like something, how much acid you like four to five um, chunks of lemon, so it's sixths uh, lemon kind of sixths um, inside the glass, you don't need to muddle or anything, just add ice, um, and then we're going to shake it vigorously and, um, pour, pour it back like we call a uh, country style, which is you pour all of the ingredients, including the ice back into the glass. So that's
1: how I usually make cocktails, country yeah. style. Country style. No I never knew there was a like a term for it.
2: Yeah. Well, now you can be fancy when you're making <laughs> it, but, um, but yeah, no need to strain or anything. You want all of that fruit kind of dancing around in there along with the product itself. So...
1: Don't worry, they can't see you not using a <laughs> strainer for that. So we're going to build nice. this cocktail right now. And while we're doing this, too, we, we have two guests on the show who uh, um, stopped by from the charity Rocking the Boat. So we have Andrea and Mike, and you guys are helping. It's not just me drinking all this lele, first of all. Disclaimer, <laughs> yeah. So thank you for stopping by, Heritage, today. And what did you two think of the Lele Rouge?
2: I will say this is my first time drinking the Root, and it's very nice. Um, and it's great to hear the history behind it, the heritage, and that the, the recipe has stayed the same over the years. Uh, perfect for this time of year. It's pretty hot out today, so I could drink this the rest of the day and be happy. See,
1: that was unrehearsed. <laughs> see, see how magical LA is? It just brings it out in a person. And Mike, you're being way too quiet. Yeah, It, it was uh, fantastic, and uh, the funny thing was I was just writing down on our list because we're going away from Memorial Day weekend that is now on the list of items that we're now going to have to get from Memorial Day weekend,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then I was just writing down like what you were putting in the Vesper, and then writing down what you're putting in for all this. So You can just listen to the podcast again. We got it for you. We got you in chat. <laughs> it's all good. Oh, wow. These look wonderful. They're, they, they are spring.
2: Spring in a glass, yes. You get that bright strawberry and the pink from the um yeah it's nice and springy, delicious so
1: you guys want to try one yeah you guys share one of those we're one big happy family here as you remember they were tonic wise they cured what ailed you (laughs) so we, we can share these things all around um Again, I've been a fan of Lille for a long, long mm-hmm. time, and thank you so much for being on. Oh, for and us. throughout this month, and until I run out of Lille, mm-hmm. I will have this as a fixture on my show, just because it not only makes sense, but it just it it, it creates such a wonderful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from all the culture and you know history mm-hmm. ingrained in it, it's just like you said slows everything down a little it bit in, in the most wonderful of ways
2: it does and you were talking about bringing it you know i'm also going away for memorial day weekend we're going to the lake and it's something it's so easy to bring you can just crack open a bottle you can add it you know, can have it just with ice you can have it with seltzer you know but there's something about this sort of um it's a it's a ritual in cracking open an aperitif it really is and it's nice and it, it has it's a great thing for getaways or for I had a picnic with a bunch of people on Sunday and we cracked open just a nice bottle of lalay and it's so simple and but just special it's a special thing to have um And we're really proud to be able to deliver that to people and kind of celebrate it on National Aperitif Day.
1: Well, I mean, let's talk Philly, (laughs) Dallas, San Francisco, Mm -hmm. you know, New Orleans, New York. There are so many bars actually participating in National Aperitif Day. Tell me some of the highlights.
2: We do have a lot of bars uh, participating this year, which is fantastic. Um, Here in New York City, we have um, uh, Natasha David at Nightcap is doing some wonderful things for us. She always celebrates the aperitif. Every Monday they have an aperitif hour, um, and she does beautiful conversations. Cocktails over there. Um, we're teaming up with Dear Irving, um, which is a wonderful, kind of very French space. Um, but Dear Irving on Irving and Eighteenth, which is fantastic as well, run by Megan Dorman um, and Tom Richter, um, who actually worked with me at the Beagle, who's a good friend, um, and they're doing some beautiful drinks for us as well. So there's those events that are open to people, open to the public, um, celebrating, starting from open, starting as you know, because it is the apéritif hour, so starting at five o'clock. Um, and then looking at other some of our other better, our fantastic and favorite, um, some of the accounts that we're working with for Aperitif Day that we love, we're doing London Grill and Philly is going to be doing some activations for us. Um, Hotel Zaza in Dallas is doing uh, Aperitifs by the Pool, which will be lovely. Wait, um, is that a
1: new serving size I don't know about?
2: Aper- <laughs> aperitifs eat- aperitifs <laughs> in the pool. Yeah. Aperitifs by the pool would be, yes, I wish I was joining them for that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I will be here, which I can guarantee will be muggy and warm, but um, Harry's in San Francisco is doing some nice activations for us, as well as um, I've always had wonderful aperitifs at Sassafras in Los Angeles, which is a great bar. Um, Sobu in New Orleans is doing some beautiful things with us right now. Um, So there's just a lot of... It's everywhere. It's definitely present, and it's going to be more and more impre- present as we get closer to National Paratif Day and as the summer goes on. It's just a great summer cocktail.
1: And if you need more recipes, we can, of course, go on to lay- com.
2: Yeah, com, or you can also always contact me directly. I love creating recipes for people and I have more, more on my roster than I care to share um but i think just to start um, just verbally but um i do like to share them with people all the time via email so you can always reach out to me um via instagram or twitter um at miss ms M-S-L-I-L-L-E-T, at miss lille um, and i will always happily share recipes with people excellent and
1: it's mm-hmm. at little a 1872 1872 and mm-hmm. if you're gonna aper- aperitif like uh, i will from now on mm-hmm. hashtag that shit
2: yeah.
1: A <laughs> Day.
2: A Day, National Peritif Day.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I had to get one cuss in there.
2: That's okay. I'm sur-
1: <laughs> enjoying it too much. Um, <laughs> thank you again for being on Claire, Lilay, yeah. Mike and Andrea. Thank You've been listening yes. to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host Michael Harland Turkell. Hoping to have you back here next Thursday, Tuesday at 3. <laughs> too much Lilay. Too much
2: Lille. Yeah. Too much Lille.